video, amen? We'll, he's good about that. We'll, we'll get it taken care of. No, we're so blessed to have you guys this morning. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for praying for our pastor. Like you said, it's Monday there, so he's got, getting on a plane, and he'll be back here Tuesday. I don't know how that works. He's leaving a day earlier here. But um, all I know is when you do that, it hurts really bad for the next few days after you get home. So be praying for him after he gets back, because jet lag is no... Um, punk, I guess I'll say that. It'll, it'll, it'll get after you. But um, if you would open up in your Bibles to Exodus chapter number um, 31, we're going to start there. And Today's message is called A Time for Action, but um, you could almost call it after this morning if you have to be kind of blind not to see the fact that God's goodness is kind of the theme already this morning. Uh, Pastor Mitch and Pastor Derek were praying for the service and God just really put goodness on their mind. And when I, My wife and I were praying down here at the altar a little bit ago. Um, she, she prayed that God would make us, uh, how do you say that? Um, she said he's, in, he's entrusted us with his goodness. And so she didn't know they prayed that. So God, the Holy Spirit is working out a theme. He wants you to experience his goodness this morning. And not only that, he wants to impart his goodness to you so you can go move that and take that goodness to somebody else. Amen? I promise you, your server at the restaurant when you leave here needs, probably needs some goodness in their life. Because all these church people go in there trying to be rude to them. So y'all, 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 be, y'all be blessings to your servers wherever you go. If like me, if it's for my mom, I'm going to be a blessing to her because... Uh, she cooks me lunch on Sunday, so I'm going to go. And so, um, if you're in Exodus chapter number 31, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says, The Lord said to Moses, that's the easy name in the group, See, I have called Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That's funny. Acts hadn't come yet. We'll keep on reading. With ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work every craft. And behold, I appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, see, I got that right, the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that's on it, all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, the pure lapstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of the burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments... For Aaron and the priest, Aaron the priest, and garments of his sons, for the, for for their services, priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. So my first kind of thing I want to, if you want to think of dynamic duos in the Bible, the first thing you're going to think of is you know maybe Paul and Silas, or you're going to think of David and Jonathan, or you're going to think of James and John, or you're going to think of all these dynamic duos. But Oholiab and Bezalel are probably not the two that are going to come to your mind. You know, when somebody asked, if somebody was asked me, who, who's the, the best, your favorite pair in the Bible? My mind's not going to go to Exodus and say, well, Holy Heaven, Bethlehem, well, of course. I mean, everybody knows about them. These guys were amazing. No, the, the thing about it is, these guys had a gift and a calling upon their life to do some things that advanced the kingdom, that made a platform for Moses to be who God called him to be, to make a platform for the priest to be who God called them to be. So their role and who they were is every bit as important as another role in, in, in the body that you might think may be more popular. They weren't kings, they weren't priests, they weren't prophets. But what they did and the effect they had made it so that the kingdom of Israel could have God in their midst. Were it not been for these, these guys and the, the, the gifts that God had put in their life and the things that they did, the tabernacle doesn't get built. God has nowhere to dwell and God can't be with his people. You know, you always look at the priests and the leaders, but these guys had a, had a, a very succinct purpose. And so today's scripture says that God filled Bezalel with his spirit and anointed or empowered him to function in practical matters. Now what you've got to realize is the same word for spirit in this, in, in this sense is the word ruach, 
which is the same word for spirit that is in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And so we have this, we have this mindset in our, in, our, in our lives, and as a trap we fall into sometimes, that the Spirit of God didn't even show up until Acts came. And so let's just read about that really quick. We'll just do Acts chapter 2. We'll start in verse number 3. And it says, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to all of them, and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, like I said, we've got to remember that the same Holy Spirit that empowers the spiritual gifts are also empowering those practical gifts in your life. The way God made you, the, way, the, little, the little things that you're good at, the little quirks that you have, the, maybe you're like me and you're OCD and you like to organize stuff. Well, let's promise you there's some people out there that could probably use your organizational skills. Yeah. I promise you there's some things that you, can go, that you can have in your life that you may think are just weird little habits or quirks. Maybe that's a gift that God wants you to bless somebody else with. Maybe somebody's not going to experience the goodness of God in their life until you operate in that gift to bring that goodness to them in a practical way. Now, Practical action will always open the door for a spiritual connection. If he, could, if he could empower the practical things under the Old Covenant, what can he do with those same practical things in the New Covenant? If he could do that, if he could do that in the Old Covenant, and he could put his spirit on people in the Old Covenant to, with, with, for practical, physical matters, what can he do with that same gifting you've got in your life here in the New Testament when the Spirit's been given without measure? Why, what's holding us back? What's, keep, what's causing us to stop? And even, and even, and even this, God showed me this because he loves me. Um, and it's, it goes on to say in verse, it goes on to say in verse 6, And I've given to all men ability that they may make all I have commanded you. And so, not only that, did he give Bezalel and Aholiab these uh, gifts, but he brought other guys around him that had the same gift. So they had group life way back in the tabernacle. And so, you know, I told you God loves me. He's already set this up. So, now, if it weren't for their God-given practical talents, like I said before, the priests and the rest of the nation would have had no place to encounter the Father. Now think about this. We've all heard, we've all heard and we all know what the, the Holy of Holies, when the high priest went to the Holy of Holies, if everything wasn't just perfect, if every sacrifice hadn't been made just right, if he hadn't been cleansed just so properly, if he didn't have on the right attire, he walks in there, something's not right, he drops dead. You know, they had to put a bell on him, they had to put a rope around their ankles so if the bell stopped ringing, well, he didn't make it, drag him out. You know, well, here's the thing we've got to understand. He had to have some, he had, Aaron had to have some pretty good trust in these people that made those garments because if they weren't just right, he didn't make it out. You know, there, there, there are things that we've got to understand. There's a, there's a, the, just because you may not have a public platform ministry does not mean your gift is any less sufficient or any less um, validating than if you did. God's got practical things set aside for you to do that are going to be a blessing to others. And so your obedience to meet a practical need in someone's life will speak more to them than the most theologically sound and passionately delivered sermon never could. I'll say that again because you need to remember that. It's kind of long and wordy, but that's how I like it. Your obedience to meet a practical need in someone's life will speak more to them than, any, than the most theologically sound sermon or passionately delivered sermon ever could. When you use the practical, God will use that to open up a door for the spiritual. That's good. If you walk up to somebody in Walmart and you see them kind of limping around and they're kind of hurt and you walk up and say, God has a word for you, and you start being all weird to them in front in Walmart, they're probably not going to receive that too well. But you walk along beside them, and you maybe help them up a little bit, and you, and you say, hey, hey, can I help you get something off this shelf? Can I help you get to the next aisle? What can, how can I help you? And you serve them in a practical way. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're open to receive what you've got to say. Right. We seem to think that if you can get up in front of somebody, and you've got the gift of gab, or you can, um, you can hype things up a lot, that makes you more spiritual than somebody else. Spirituality is not determined by popularity. 
So, that was, that was my next line. I kind of jumped it. But it's time for the church to stop determining spirituality or anointing by whether or not someone has a pulpit ministry. When we get to heaven, there's going to be countless millions of people there that you've never heard their name. Not everybody's a Peter, not everybody's a James, not, everybody, not, every, not everybody's a Paul, not everybody's, not everybody's a Barnabas. There's going to be countless millions of people there. 0.0001% of the people that you see in heaven are going to actually be somebody you've heard of. Why? Because God is building the church upon giftings and upon talents, upon his anointing, not upon people. People carry those things, but we've got to understand that notoriety and popularity are not spiritual gifts. God didn't say prophesy and be popular. He didn't say, he, he didn't say um, speak in tongues and, and let your notoriety be known to everybody. No, he said use these gifts. If they bring a crowd, then so be it. But that's, 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 not, our, that's not our goal. That's not our number one thing. In the eyes of God, character trumps talent, and obedience always outweighs gifting. God will, God will grant these things. God has given these gifts to the church over and over. He's blessed the church with these amazing gifts, but he's more concerned with your character. He's more concerned with your integrity. He's more concerned with you showing someone God's goodness so that the gifts have, have a way into their life as he, is, as he is for you to sit there and, and just let this gift make you popular. We've got we've to walk in the knowledge that our security is found in him and being known by him and not known by the masses. You know, we, we need to be content with the fact that God knows me. I've got to be content with the fact that God knows my name whether anybody else on earth ever does or not. I need to be concerned with the fact that, that God has a personal relationship with me, whether I know three or four people or I know 400 people. It doesn't matter. I need to understand that God is not waiting to anoint me because I have 1,000 Facebook followers. He's not waiting until your Instagram hits 1,000 likes so that you can be, so, so he goes, oh, well, he's got that many followers, and now I can anoint him. No, walk in the anointing God's given you. Walk in the giftings that God's given you and allow that goodness to flow from you, and he'll anoint it every time, I promise. Jesus didn't just heal people. He fed them. He didn't just speak words over them. He healed them. Yes. I mean, he did, he did practical things to bless people in, in a way that met them where they were at. Then he had an end to speak into their life. So let's consider the following questions. Who's more important? The person on the stage or the person who built the stage? I mean, what's more, what's more important, the person sweating behind the pulpit because they're preaching up a sermon or the person sweating behind a lawnmower because they're mowing their neighbor who's shut in, mowing their grass? What preaches louder? We've got, we've got to understand that there's some, there's some amazing things God got set aside for us to do. We've got to be willing to do it in a practical manner just as much as we are in a spiritual manner. One more. Who's more important, the person with a TV ministry, or nowadays the podcast ministry, or the one who takes that message to somebody who doesn't have a TV so they hear the same thing? Who's more important? The talents in your life are there for a God-given purpose. They carry as much ability to change someone's life as any spiritual gift that people will throw out as a plug for their spirituality. And any gift, whether it be spiritual or practical, is given for the purpose of serving others, not for the purpose of making one popular. So we've got, we've, you got to understand, that, that, those things that God's put in your life, those little things that you think, like I said, are just quirks, or just little things that you happen to be good at, or just, I just have a knack for that. Well, let God use that knack to be good to somebody else. Let him use that to um, do, do those things he wants to do. Now, Acts 10, verse 38, I'm going to close with this. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. You know, it said he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power, and what did he do? He went. He didn't sit there and start preaching up a storm and wait for people to kind of come gather, gather around him. No, it says he went. 
It required action. Like we're talking about this morning, it's a time for action. This action is us walking in the goodness of God and bringing that life to people that need it so badly. It's not, it's not about us um, being endowed with some kind of power and some kind of special ability so that we can make ourselves look better. It's a matter of us taking this, this, this gospel in a practical manner and this goodness of God in a practical manner to reach somebody else that hasn't been touched by it maybe in a long time. Or maybe they've been hurt by it in the past. We see it all the time. And, and um, we, we can, we've all been church hurt. Because people are more interested in how they can preach or how they can function or how they can be in front of people than they are in serving people on a practical level. So we as believers need to be, be in that place of, of bringing God to people in a practical way. He went about, that was his action, doing good, meeting practical physical needs, and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. And he said, God didn't anoint him with the Holy Spirit and popularity. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. And when that power began to function through a practical way in people's lives... People began to be drawn to the kingdom. And did he get popular? Absolutely. He, that wasn't his goal. Like our pastor's been preaching about, he goes, what, y'all going to leave too? He wasn't concerned with who was following him. He was concerned that the goodness of God reached people. And if that drew people, great. And I can promise you, if you're looking for greatness, that person that you touch in a practical way with the goodness of God, you're great in their life. You're powerful in their life. You're a blessing in their life. So, Pastor Damon, Bishop, Reverend, Wearing his jacket, come on up, brother. Bring us the word. Y'all give my good friend, Pastor Jeff T. Meyer, a hand clap in this place of God. <laughs> Y'all doing all right? Y'all look quiet this morning, so I just want to make sure everybody's doing okay. All right, all right. 2%, they're all on this side. Do I need to move the... Uh, the table on this side, I mean, like, because I think it's only fair. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I've been working out, wearing jackets. At the same time. Now, that's such a good word. Uh, and a lot of what we're going to talk about it is, is some. Some could say that this is kind of the personalities both of, of Jeff and myself as well. Jeff is a, a very, very, very good teacher. Jeff will not speak until he reads something 500 times to make sure he's got it right. <laughs> now that can end, end up being a little bit later, but it's never wrong. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Somebody like me. I got a little Pete, you know, I, I have the spirit of Peter in me. I, I'm quick to jump out on some water. I'm quick to cut off a soldier's ear. I'm quick to action. Is any of this wrong? No, what happens is we got to find a happy medium. Yeah. I, I, being real quick to act and quick to jump out and want to do something and quick to lead a, a, a prayer group without even knowing if anybody wants to join and, and quick to go, I want to do this and I want to do that for the Lord. And, and the Lord says, but I didn't even tell you to. Yeah. That's sometimes me. Just being honest with you. We can be honest in the place of God. Amen. Amen. Once you turn to Acts 9, anybody that knows me knows I love Paul. And this is his transformation encounter. We've all had one, or if you haven't, you're going to have one today. Amen? Yeah. And so we're going to read a little bit about that in Acts 9. 
Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him to, for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, who was a Christian, whether men or women, he might take them in as prisoners. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In verse 5, he says this. Who are you? Doesn't say, who are you, dude? Doesn't say, what up, bro? Doesn't say, who art thou? He says, follow me now. He says this. Who are you Lord. Now, I want to tell you that the reason why this is a big deal is because he said who he is, even without knowing it is Jesus at this point in time. However, there are things in your life that you've got to understand, even though you may not understand them. It is the Lord. Those opportunities when you're walking through Walmart and you're walking through the aisle and you see the person who's obviously dealing with something, whether it be a sickness or whether it be just in a bad mood or, or whatever it may be, and the Holy Spirit says, please go say encouragement to him. It did not say, please go bow down and go, the Lord hath told me. I don't know what that accent is. But <laughs> the Lord hath told me to do this. Buckle up. No, just like what Jeff was saying, that the, the Lord will say, go encourage them. And so you'd be surprised what a pat on the back and go, hey, I'm praying for you. What a pat on the back and goes, hey, it gets better. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, a pat on the back and just saying, hey, I promise you, I promise you God has not left your side. And you will be amazed what God can do with a simple pat on the back. Now, you may not, they may not know that that was the Lord. Follow me. They may not know that that was God moving through you in the aisle at Walmart when you're trying to rush out of there and you took the time to do it. So that's all God, right? Yeah. You actually take time to say hi to somebody at Walmart. That's all God. Yeah. And, and, and you, so you take that time. It's purely a God moment. However, the, the, the young woman who's sitting there trying to rustle in all her kids that are running around, and you can tell she's about had it, and you gave her a pat on the back and said, God be with you. She didn't realize she just had an encounter with the Lord. He says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. See, sometimes he's just speaking to you individually. Just because a movement doesn't happen at a church service. Come on. Do not doubt what the movement that happened in you individually happened to be. So. The men traveling didn't hear it. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink. Here comes one of my favorite people in the whole 
Bible. And many of you do not know his name. Many of you may forget his name as soon as I tell it to you. But I can tell you for us as Gentiles, I can tell you for us as those that were not that are non-Jewish and those that must have been grafted in via grace, there is nobody any more important than Ananias. A lot of people say, well, no, Paul was the voice to the Gentiles. Let me just watch. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision. He said, Ananias. And the first thing that Ananias said is, yes, Lord. I want to tell you something. If you're already waking up in the morning and saying, no, God. If you wake up in the morning and when you hit the floor, you say, yes, God. What do you got for me? What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Many of you are sitting there going, Christianity is just not really giving me life. Is it because you've just strictly been a church sitter? Because if not, those days have got to come to an end. Amen? The Lord told him, go to the house on Judas Street. On, uh, the house of Judas on Straight Street. See, so he'll tell you where to go. That's not, Jesus isn't just going to go, hey, I want you to leave your family and go around the world and, and do these things without giving you the proper instructions, right? So Jesus tells him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And we know good and well it was not just talking about a visual sight at this point in time. We're talking about a sight that changes worlds, evidently, right? Paul went on to write uh, a majority of the New Testament. So when he says sight, it's not just he sees colors for the first time in, in three days. Isn't it funny how things happen in three days? Come on now. In a vision, he had, a, he, he had seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on the restore sign. Ananias was like, okay, uh, uh, here I'm going to do what we're going to do. And, and, and so when, when he's told, though, of, of who he is, uh, in verse 13, he says, Lord, uh, uh, I... I'm going to do it. I, real quick. We're talking about Saul. Tarsus. S-Dog. Serpiente. es loca. You know they had nicknames for him. I mean, like, he, this dude was walking around killing. He, did, he had just participated in the stoning of Stephen. You know, so this guy's going around stoning and, and killing and imprisoning Christians. You know they had some nicknames for him. I'm just saying. But he says, look here. Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Keep going. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Keep going. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. Keep going. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Keep going. 
that Ananias, there is not a bigger than in all the New Testament in, in, to me. I, I'm telling you, it, it, it wasn't as soon as, as Jesus responded and answered the questions that we all have. See, sometimes we have questions. That's okay. Ask them. See, a lot of people will leave church because they never just ask their question. See, a lot of people leave marriages just because they didn't ask a question. See, a lot of people will lose their calling and leave their calling because they refuse to ask questions. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. It didn't take any more prodding. He didn't have to get swallowed up by a well. Come on. He didn't have to have a burning bush. Come on. He didn't have to have another encounter of another encounter of another encounter and a reminder and a PS and an alarm go off on his phone. He didn't have to have any of that. He said, and then Ananias went because he had the personality. He had the unquestionable yes the first time Jesus called him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep going. Immediately. I love suddenlies. I love about midnights. And I love immediately's in the Bible. Because oftentimes we think we have to go through the process. I, I, I really have a heart to speak to people. Well, Mitch, you've got to go to seminary first, okay? Mitch, at, you've got to go attend Bethel School of Worship before you can become who God's really called you to be. See, we've put limits on an unlimitless God. <laughs> Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Keep going. <laughs> and immediately, there's another immediately. I'm telling you, as soon as y'all start reading the Bibles, you're going to see that immediately and suddenly and about midnight start to get a little stir in your spirit. I promise you. And if it doesn't, let me tell you something. Your wood's wet if that doesn't get you fired up. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. Mm. Mm. I want to tell you all some things that I hope you get out of this. Some acts are harder than even what happens after them. Ananias, a disciple, worked as a welder, worked as somebody for FEC, worked as a policeman, worked as a fireman, worked somewhere in a factory, worked somewhere, had just a normal life as far as we know. We're never to hear of him again. So he, he is the equivalent of the normal, Christ-loving, spirit-filled, faith-operating man or woman that we should be. 
What does he have in common with us, and, and, and I hope he has in common with us, is he had the ability to say yes, and he had the ability to say no, yet and still because of the power of Jesus, he said yes when the world was telling you, you better say no or death becomes you. Ananias, single-handedly, from his obedience, rewrote Rewrote not only the life of, of Saul slash Paul, because if he rewrote that life, he ended up rewriting our lives as Gentiles as well. All because there was some man named Ananias, a disciple in Damascus, that went to, a, to, to Judas's house on Straight Street because Jesus told him to amidst all and against all the warnings. You know his friends were sitting there. You better not do that. You're getting too religious. You're getting too crazy with this. You better stop doing this Jesus stuff because at some point in time, you're going to die from it. And he said, if I die from it, that means I live with it. Paul was in a place where he was optionless. And, and, and again, I love Paul. Paul's my favorite person in the whole Bible next to Jesus. But you got to understand, Paul is laying on the ground without options. He's blinded without options. He sat down without options. He was forced to, to find a place to find Jesus. Ananias chose it. Y'all... I want to see you choose it before you're forced into it. I want to see you choose life long before circumstances make you feel optionless. You look at this platform, and, and I enjoy being a pastor. I enjoy being a preacher. I enjoy what I do. But I want to tell you something. If you think this is the upgrade to you, who you are personally, come on, come on. you're not really living your faith lifestyle. Yeah, you're living my faith lifestyle. God told me to be a pastor. He told me to be a preacher. He didn't tell you to. If he told you to, then let's get started. Let's start working through these things. But we need more people out in the hay fields and out in Walmart and out in the streets and, 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 and in, their, in your families and in your home lives and at the family reunions. And we need more of that than we far, far, far ever need from somebody on a platform. And it starts with this. It starts with a yes. It starts with a yes. I want to give you... Four things, how to be in a place of action. Because we know he can do more in a moment than we can in a lifetime, amen? Yeah. Number one, listen to the request from Jesus with an attitude of yes. Not an attitude of why. <laughs> why may come a little bit later, that's okay. But you better start your conversation when Jesus calls you with, yes, Lord. Not, what now, Lord? We've had some what now moments, but it's because he knows you have a personality and you have a, a, an automatic yes answer reflex. Let's just say that. And the next one, be open 
to completing it via your gifts. In Romans 12, we see the supportive gifts. And those supportive gifts, just, just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it's show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, we're given these, these platforms that don't have to take place on a platform. We're giving a, a, a place within the body. We're given the title hand, it may be teacher. You're given the title arm, it may be giver. You're given these, these titles and these things that help make up our yes personality. It's the how-tos of the first question. And when Jesus says, I need you to go across the street and mow your neighbor's yard, and you say yes, and then when it becomes a spiritual thing, because I believe it will become a spiritual thing, when it becomes a spiritual thing, that's where you go to your Romans 12 or your 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and ask those gifts to start moving through you. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. I want to tell you something, in, in this society, staff oftentimes gives me a, a hard time because I, they say I'm com confrontational. I don't believe I'm confrontational. Confrontational, I believe I like truth. I, I believe that, that we'll just go ahead and pursue the if, when, and hows, and buts later. Let's just go ahead and get to the truth of what's going on. And, and, and the first few times I started seeking truth, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> the, the first time somebody wronged me, and I asked them because I was hurt, and I didn't harbor it in. Come on, church. Yeah. I didn't hold it in so much that it started swelling in me, and I had to leave the friendship, the relationship, the church, the workplace, the family, the marriage. So I want you to understand there does come some uncomfortableness with this walk. But if you have his peace that surpasses all understanding, you'll find it doesn't matter that much. Number four, act and watch. I want to tell you something we do so often. When we do something for God, we, we immediately res uh, uh, want response based on our needs. Based on, well, I want to see the healing. I want to see the harvest. I want to see the restoration. I want to see, I want to see, I want to do, I want to do, I want to put it on Facebook after I help them people in their, in their bill in, 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 when, when I pay for their lunch. I, 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 I. And I want to tell you something. We're missing him because we're putting too much on us. Found this flashlight. And Ananias, to me, is a lot like this illustration here. This flashlight's a bright flashlight. I've tried Corey earlier. Amen. In his eyes. Thought it was funny, he didn't. 
the bulb's not in, the, the, the light is not here, the, the bulb is up here, but, but let, me, let me show you something. Without the battery, It's non-existent, and, and I want to show you something, the reason why I say this is because this flashlight, this light as a whole, is what we're called to be, to bring light into a dark place, amen? That's, that's what, what we're called to do, the, the light of Ananias was the goal, was the request given to him to go lay hands on Saul and change his life, correct? Here's what happens, though, without... The battery, without the power source, without the God thing, and without the gifts of the Spirit, it's just a switch without anything. But when you first begin to drop Jesus in your situation, and you're still willing to press the switch then, so you can put a light on something. See, you can put a light on a bad situation. See, you, there could be some darkness in here, and, and, and some darkness in your job, some darkness in your family, some darkness within your kids, some darkness within the religious mindset that you have. And when you begin to shine the light of Jesus onto it, you find that he changes things. You just merely were the switch. Mitch, I'll come on. I believe there's some salvations in this place this morning. I believe there's some rededications in this place this morning. I believe he's healing those that are mourning in this place this morning. I believe he's answering questions that you may have this morning. I'm believing for the first time you're going to be open to the gifts of the Spirit this morning. Church, we do not need any more Pauls. We need more Ananiases. We don't need another church plant. We, we don't need another event, another conference, another camp, another thing to where we can all be glorified and have fun. Our glorification and our fun in this event of a service today means nothing to your cousin and your brother and your co-worker that is dying and going to hell today. Mitch, would I mess you up so bad? <laughs> I give myself away. 
Mitch just had the, uh, the opportunity to say yes. And he said yes. <laughs> the only way that you can be an Ananias is when you say so long to yourself. The only way that you can live the life of an Ananias or a Saul or to be a Paul is to be in a place where you give yourself away. So we're going to go into this song, I Give Myself Away. And I believe that salvation is found in the house today. I believe that salvation is found in your home today. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are about to start operating in a, in a new place, in a new way, in a new level in your life. Not in here, but out there. Y'all bow your heads with me.